1: Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play, powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1 800
2: 858 858.
1: It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Hello and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are listening around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning. One of Australia's most reputable anglers. Good morning, Redmond. Morning, Patrick. How are you? Going very well this weekend. Final weekend before pre-season starts for, uh, I think, about eight different clubs around the country. So all of a sudden the off-season is over into pre-season. And we've got testing tomorrow, which is just... Ah, uh, tomorrow. On uh, Monday, which will just be sensational.
0: You uh, are... You've been doing a bit of hard work. You've even made the papers a couple of times. To Patrick Dangerfield's back at training. Ooh. Exciting news, isn't it? Wow. wow. He plays football. That's his job. <laughs> but back back I'm, in training? I'm more excited than you, though. Well, the draft was last week, though, Redman. All, right, so we all right, we'll, we'll go well, into the draft. Know, there's right? some
1: new young kids coming through, so it's a bit of an exciting time for, uh, you know, for fans and supporters and players alike. We might have
0: a couple more people to talk to on Real Adventures that like fishing. Well,
1: you know, absolutely. That's that's why we're interested. So um, that's okay though. So about 60 to 70-odd players drafted around the country, which is which is always good. So plenty happening
0: in the world of how, sport, hey, as there always is. How were you when you got drafted? Uh, I
1: was absolutely packing my dash. Well are. Adelaide actually told me three weeks before the draft that um, we're going to take you, we've committed to taking you, and I was sort of like, Okay, you don't really know until you know. Can someone Um, pinch you before them? Absolutely. But Adelaide just thought that there was no other interest for me in that sort of pick range because I was picked 10 in the 2007 draft. And uh, the final um, meeting that I had with recruiters, uh, Matty Randell, who's who's, uh, now at Collingwood, they came down to – Moggs and and Maddie brought a six pack of beer and I was sort of oh this is a bit more relaxed than the last few meetings that we've had and they sort of they were very relaxed and they were um, you know confident where their sort of list structure was and that um, yep we'll pick you at at pick ten if you're there and we think you will be and um,
0: the rest is history. It's what what did out. what number did you go at? Pick ten. Pick, you were pick ten. You yep. Were exactly, yep.
1: So uh, yeah, good luck to all the uh, the young aspiring uh, players because it's the Oh, your dream starts now but the hard work begins which is great you've so, uh,
0: you, your teammate well now teammate you did meet him during the week with the, I forget his name The made it all over the every single paper in the country with his abs out the poor oh, fella poor old
1: Cooper <laughs> Cooper Stevens is the, the, our first pick um, yeah look we've all been there <laughs> look there's no doubt there's been a little bit of a uh, little bit of banter sort of flying around the traps just given uh, the fact that uh, you know if you get a picture taken with your top off and you know, it is plastered on the front of those long advertisers. Look, there's gonna be ramifications that come from that Redman and fair enough. And um uh, but he's a he's a great young kid. Um had broken his leg or fractured his leg earlier in the season, so that's why um you know he, he Slipped down the, the, the draft. Wellesley's we
0: done some of his best work again, hasn't he? Yeah, Wells he a steal. Wellesie was down there with a the sledgehammer earlier <laughs> on. Yeah, he was in the, year. He was the, the reason for it. <laughs> I'm going to get you later. Um, uh, well, it, we need to get into the fishing. Well, if I had a body like his too, I'd put myself all over the paper too. But we are into the fishing. and how well, ex- we do need to get into the fishing. <laughs> how exciting is this? My local, my local, not my pub, my local boat ramp, the Queenscliff boat ramp, today, today the 30th, at 10 a.m. till 12, head down to Queenscliff because there is a massive discussion uh, or and also draft planning of the plans for the new boat ramp and facilities. So that's huge for me. Yep. So if you do want to have a bit of a say, uh, I am going to try and be there. I've got my brother's baby shower starting just before lunch, so I'm going to do my best to be there. So I'll be down there, come say good day as well. Uh, if you want to ask some questions about what I think will be good, I'll give you my honest opinion because I'll be, I'll be uh, definitely getting some fish cleaning tables there because I'm getting in trouble at home too much. <laughs> I was <much>. going to say, <laughs> Kari's had enough of you oh, getting
1: home and cleaning
0: thirty I, fish in the front yard. I've actually, when she's not home, I moved to inside. And then I just clean it on the kitchen bench and I set up. I set it up nicely. Isn't there a smell that lingers after? Nah, no, I'm own? real good. I put my incense on that sits on the top shelf that she has. <laughs> so I put that on and then my and then my dog sits next to me because I've got a relatively big dog. He's just shy. Six, oh, he is 60 <laughs> He's 60 kilo, So basically uh, I just cut whatever I don't want, drop to him. He eats it and then just it's a big little there so basically yeah it works really well not not for her but i'm pretty happy about this boat ramp coming in though patrick i tell you you don't understand this is massive for me so make sure you head down to the queenscliff boat ramp today at 10 a.m to 12 and uh have your say
1: um redmond there's a little bit of news around the globe at the moment and we love our boating we love our fishing our outdoors a critical part of Fishing is obviously towing your trailer boat right around the country. The longer, uh, the bigger boats have become, the, the more and um, the heavier requirements are put in our tow vehicles. Now, Tesla have released their Cybertruck during the week. Uh, you... Saw the photos earlier in the week. Only because you're you
0: sending them to me. Your first reaction when you saw the uh, the styling? Because it's what it's the hell incredibly is
1: this? <laughs> <unique>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what is this, and why are you sending me it? Until I uh, read did, some of the information about it. Do you like the? Do you like the specs? Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Zero to sixty miles per hour. So that's a hundred in. It says six point five seconds here, but I read that it was uh, about three seconds. It's so, uh, yeah, two Quaker point nine. Yeah, quicker than a Porsche. Uh-huh. Massive fuel tank too, which you were pretty impressed with. Uh I think what was it right, averaging about eight hundred kilometers, I think, a tank.
1: Yep, so the the battery system or the fuel
0: tank. Oh, sorry, yeah. So I meant <laughs> I meant, I meant the How battery system. How
1: How well you go. Yeah, so there's obviously there's three different specs. The single motor rear wheel drive is two hundred and fifty miles or at the top end spec which is a hundred grand um it's 800 k's it's 2.9 seconds to 100 kilometers per hour it's got 130 miles per hour top speed so 200 odd k's oh. and this is the part that's i think the the, the game changer potentially it's six ton towing so 6.3 tons towing and if you're I think if you calculate that with um, a price tag of a hundred grand or a hundred and two grand for the very top spec, I actually think that's a really good buying.
0: Yeah, you, yeah. Until you're re- traveling re- to Eden and it's further than five hundred k's, and you have to park the night to charge your car. <laughs> <laughs> well, charge speeds. Yeah. So
1: that's a that's a good point. You, you're going to have to pull over, and and, and I'm not sure. <laughs> charge up. <laughs> I'm not sure how long it actually takes to charge up your vehicle. Would it be solar? Could you reckon you could somehow? put
0: solar panels to support it no too much oh you might (sighs) yeah but i don't know if it's going to charge whilst you're going tell me tell me what you were telling me though about the f truck about how it
1: well they did a they did a video uh with a ford f-150 and they showed the video of the tesla dragging it up a hill backwards but i think that i no doubt the ford f-150 they used was a, a was a low spec 150 far lighter than the uh, the Tesla model they use. So it's not exactly an apples v apples test. So, um, but it, nevertheless, the, the EV, um, market, the electronic vehicle market is a fascinating one. And how are we are going to see this roll out in our, you know, outdoor adventure and fishing space over the next few years is going to be fascinating. We've already seen Torquedo really, um, put the mm. hammer down when it comes to, uh, electric outboard motors, um, we're obviously seeing it quite prevalent in, in vehicles now. So I think it's a pretty exciting time if you're a, if you're a um, consumer when it comes to g- new technology
0: coming out. Uh, also, you speaking about power and a bit of performance is in the fishing world, the bluefin tuna. And we've spoke a lot about these these guys in the past few weeks, especially after the Al uh doco, which was fantastic. Was well, it the Rolls Royce of the Sea? It is. And how cool is this? Portland... The uh, the tenth of April two thousand thirteen. Um, and just on Portland, we're starting to see
1: um, the school tuna yeah, well, let's summer run yeah, we'll, come through, aren't they? Yeah, aren't we, we, we are
0: we'll talk about this for a second. Yeah. Sorry to cut you no, off. No, that's no it's important because I probably would have forgot it. Uh, the tuner, uh, the tuner of Scotty Gray's been doing some of his work. You know what Scotty's like, he catches fish, he's he's excellent. One of he's the, been, the best wreck anglers he is out there. Fantastic, and he's been catching bluefin tuna already of Portland. Now, to put it into perspective for you, um, Twenty kilo fish is probably a good fish during our tuna season through the winter other than the barrels pad, obviously the barrels are the big guys, yep. but these fish these summer fish rock up and not only will you catch tuna with uh, it's not only going to catch tuna when you target them, but also the kingfish hold under them too. so when they're sunning themselves, you're going to get really quality kingfish up to 18, 20 kilo. so this, if you are chasing the tuna at Portland, they are there now. I'm a bit funny on the kingfish right now. We'll see what Scotty does this week. He'll prove me wrong. They're a nightmare. But, uh, <laughs> well, they're a nightmare with our temperature. How's, have you seen the weather prediction for the start of next week?
1: No.
0: Monday, I think Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is like 14, 15 degrees. Gale force winds. Perfect pre-season. <laughs> you can get you ready for your for winter. <laughs> but basically, don't worry about your buddy pre-season. am not going to catch fish. But basically, the weather's gone to crap again, which is going to affect... The water temp's still cold, Pat, and the snapper sort of... They're going good, but they're not what they should be. Uh, But yeah, tuna rocking up at Portland already. So Julia Percy out the front of the... Where the shipping, I guess you call it, the anchorage, where they anchor their boats. You're only travelling, what, Pat, sometimes two kilometres to find these fish at times. They're not far off. Kingfish get caught off the break wall at Portland, which is an amazing land-based fishery. That would have to be number one of the number one land-based fishing destinations because they catch massive snapper, kingfish, big sharks. I know that when I was down there last, they were getting gummy sharks offered as well. So and the Lee breakwall is one of them. And it's you one. are
1: going to follow up on sharks a little later in Red's tip We are. The, tip the old mako
0: shark will be getting spoken about. But this tuna part.
1: Yes, Vic Fisheries posted it during the week on their uh, Facebook and Instagram sites. And you can follow us
0: on our Real Adventures Facebook page. Redmond. This tag, uh, 180 days at liberty, so it was out there, flo- uh, and then all of a sudden, at six months after the fish, it popped off. Uh, now th- this this is the information that's gone into this fish, so I'm just going to read it out quickly. The it was 106 centimeters long. That's the fork length. It was estimated roughly 22 kilo. Now this is when it was uh when it was obviously tagged. Captured. Yep, captured. Uh, fight time was 10 minutes and 12 seconds. The processing time to get it back into the water was two minutes and one seconds. And in-water recovery time was only nine seconds, which is fantastic. And then they go into detail, was there seal interaction time, et cetera, et cetera. No, there's not. But what I think I found the most interesting was some of the depths this fish went to. So this got the satellite tag popped off six months later out in WA, which is crazy, from Portland. And yep. that's their migration. They travel up to Indonesia. That's the only known spawning yeah, ground that,
1: for them. That part's not surprising, but no, that,
0: the depth the, is. The, this depth piece is amazing. Max depth was 458 metres deep. So half a kilometre down, this fish has swum, which, considering they do majority of their work up up in the top part of the water column, and yep, you can surface. see you can see that the proportion time here was... Uh, a lot of the, – during the night time, it was up – it was around that t- – t- sorry, daytime and nighttime, it was around that 20 metres. Yeah. But then during the night, it, it, it was always slightly deeper. And then during the day, you could see it actually holds up shallower a bit more. So it's – Fascinating it's to know crazy.
1: What, why the fish goes
0: that deep. Like is Was it Bruce in, chasing Is it
1: search of food? Like, is it the – you Know hunting for those cooler water well,
0: well, go, so stop there for a sec. If you look here, Pat, now obviously the, the deeper it goes here, now we are looking at the graph, and you can go see this graph for yourself on the Victorian Fisheries website if you do want to have a look at what and we're looking at. Really,
1: it's really fascinating. Oh, I it's really thought worthwhile. this is
0: probably I'm not massively interested in things, am I? So, this is I do enjoy in the looking details at details yeah. sometimes. <laughs> well, this is so cool because you can see going off the water temperatures of oh, the time of the year plays a bit of a role, but. They're in the in the colour range between sort of that fifteen to eighteen sort of the that orangey to red colour, and nearly all of it's between that yellowy orange to red colour, isn't it? There's no which real which is fifteen to eighteen degrees. Yeah, which is the which is cool. So that that there's a temperature that they're feeding. They're they obviously doing most. They're feeding. It's where the bait fishing in is sitting in.
1: So you do look at that as a wreck angler and go, all right, these are the the temperatures that I need to chase yep. in order to get the best. Um, you know my best chance of actually catching to, fish.
0: To tell you the honest truth, it's it's hard to. Uh, I've just tried to work it out with the barrel bluefin. Now I'm going to hit them up fisheries. I'm going to see if we could satellite tag a barrel that we like, that I catch or anyone catches. And the fish we catch, or sorry, the water temperature when we ca- when we catch these fish is only about fourteen, so it's a bit cooler than these school fish. But then think about this though: is this now our water temp comes up? These bluefin that are rocking up to us now, at uh, Portland that we just spoke about, their temperature is going to be about that. 18, 18 degrees as well. So, and that's pushing hot on here. And in May, you can see on the chart that that's that water they're in. Now, is it a different run of schoolfish that comes down the coast? I know we could talk about it all day, but I reckon tagging them different times of the year, seeing where they go, which way they go. Be Maybe they place. go up the East Coast or the West Coast. But yeah, I could drag around, drag on too much.
1: <laughs> Huge episode of Real Adventures coming up. Plenty more to come after the break. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for the Social Club. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you send it into our Real Adventures Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages and join in the conversation. The first question for you, Redmond, is from James Reed. Hey boys, love the show. For snapper fishing offshore, do the tides affect bite times
0: uh, like they do in the bay? Uh, Definitely. I think it's uh, probably more important than in the bay because in the bay, you get your sunrise, sunset bite that I traditionally follow all the time. I don't... Tides are great to fish throughout the day, but I tend to fish... I don't go out and go, all right, I'm going to fish 12 o'clock today in the bay on this tide time. I'd rather get up early or go out late in the afternoon. Yes. So I'm more fishing... Don't get me wrong, I'll I'll always say bite bite times are great, but in the ocean, because it's... It's just different, Pat. It's just honestly different. So you get away with fishing throughout the day more often than not. And the reason for this is the depth. I think I think plays a big role in it. And also there are different fish, so they're feeding different differently. So I actually run. Now this is where it gets confusing. I often run off the head the hot tide that's happening in Port Phillip Bay, not actually the ocean tide. So what I mean by this is, if you're fishing off St. Leonard's for the whiting and you've got a tide slack water at, say, f- say 1 p.m., that's the tide that I'm trying to fish in the ocean because in the, it's a three-hour difference from St. Leonard's or anywhere in the bay to the ocean. So, for example, the tide change in the ocean would be um, around that 10 o'clock, say, yep. and then three hours later, you've got your, the tide in the bay. So I'm actually fishing when the water's moving... No flow, no go. I've always stuck by that. So basically how I, how I explain it is, I'm fishing when the t- base slack and I'm fishing when the water's at its strongest in the ocean to so when it's actually pulling. And I find that's what, that's when I catch my snapper nearly nearly all the time in the ocean. All right, next question,
1: Anthony Zara. Hi, guys. Redmond, you say you're better off at St. Leonard's for snapper. Whereabouts at St. Leonard's? It's good to see he's been uh, keeping you know he want, he doesn't want to know generically where you're fishing Redmond he wants to know exactly one, where. For, you can head to yeah. Soul Guide and you'll get exactly <laughs> where.
0: But no, but uh, the snapper of St. Leonard's now the land based fishery this year has been better than what it has been in the bay, and I'm not even joking. I I spoke to a fisheries officer the other day, and he said to me, and this is a bad comment, but in a good way in a, in a good way for fishermen, but. He goes, the amount of people keeping more than their bag limit is pathetic off the pier. So people are catching a lot of fish is where the good part comes into it. There's a lot of fish there. Don't do the wrong thing and keep more than your bag. St. Leonard's Pier is fishing extraordinary, especially if you get those big northerly winds where it's a bit windy the day before and you fish that night. It should fish incredibly well. Now, you've also got... Um all, the, all 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 of St. Leonard's is great and it's usually around that Christmas time, so mid-December up to Christmas, when that water's too hot at Clifton Springs, is when I will filter out into the bay itself, uh, into like outside of Cryo, Clifton Springs, out into St. Leonard's area in that deeper water, fishing that 18 to 20 metres of water, finding that slightly cool water and I'll just start sounding... From the back of the white lady right up to the wrecks up there, all through those areas, there's ground through there. There's little reefy grounds through there. You just got to do the work to find them. Head to the, like I said, head to Soul Guide, and I'll pop you on the fish when I can. But basically, that area out there is full of life. Trent
1: West, to finish us off, I've just purchased a new boat, Aaron, and I am
0: thinking about purchasing trim, ta- trim tabs. Are they worth it? Oh, Trent West, I reckon you used to play with the cats. He actually come to one of my talks down at uh, Leopold. A uh, couple of, couple of months ago, Patrick, but he uh, buying a new boat with your trim tabs. Might be, might be him. Might be another trimmer. You never know. Yeah, it could be. He hasn't uh, said what specific. Yeah, boat that's it where is. I'm just going. That's why I'm making noises. Uh, depends on the boat and depends on yourself. If you were to ask me, you know, I don't like them. Yep. I just don't like them. I don't like trim tabs that much. Uh, I I reckon boats are built so well these days. We don't necessarily they need, need them. them. They, they pref- if the boat's built as good as they should be, like as good as they are, because boats are fantastic now. Yep, they should perform. Well, I use trim tabs. But if you're going to go in those crazy conditions, is mm, it worth it just I don't know. I fish in some pre-ordering stuff and I've never put them down. So the only time I'd use them is if I take the missus and her friend out and they're cruising in the bay and she's got a nice champagne on the side of the boat and we're trolling at 10 knots and the boat's leaning, I might use it then. But I think it comes down to the boat itself. If it is leaning, and you do need them to assist you. I know some boats do need them. But if you can, I wouldn't, I'd be trying the boat without them, then going then putting them on as an after sort of package deal that uh, they're probably going to not give you at your local dealer. we
1: <laughs> you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you're sending your questions to our social club on our Real Adventures Facebook page. Now it's time for our dream boating destinations. Thanks to Club Marine. Ensure your boat or jet ski with Club Marine. Call or search Club Marine to find out more. Ask for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. Now, Redmond, this is one of your favourite locations that we're talking about in our dream boating destinations this morning, and we're talking about Cape Conran, uh, located roughly 400 kilometres from Melbourne. Uh, it's between Marlow and Bem River, two beautiful locations Um Marlow, obviously the mouth of the snowy there and you've got some incredible fishing and also when it comes to offshore fishing and what we'll see over the next few months, Redmond, is obviously the kingfish as the water starts to warm up. Yeah, I've season. heard
0: a couple of sneaky rumours. What, there? did I say that? No, yeah. I don't know.
1: Are they? a good <laughs> In terms of uh, places to stay, obviously you've got Marlow, there's a caravan park there, but um, Cape Conrad itself also has a, uh, a caravan park and they've also got units that you can actually stay whilst you're there as well. So there's some beautiful national parks. Um, there's some great walking trails through there. And when it comes to fishing and diving, Aaron, it's a beautiful place in Victoria. It's
0: probably one of my my all-time favourites. That's all you've got to say. Simple as that. Yeah, it's, I was, uh, it's you can't really beat it. You can catch mako sharks, swordfish, kingfish, flathead, You go into the rivers if it's windy. The brim are massive. Cam White and I headed down there and caught some stonkers. I think it was this time last year. On the flats, soft plastics as well. It's one of those places where you just. And the pub. (laughs) (laughs) Cape Conrad,
1: our dream boating destination. Don't get me started about that pub. (laughs) Club Marine is Australia's leading provider of insurance for boats and jet skis. And now you can win the dream with Club Marine.
2: Dream boating destinations for Club Marine. Ensure your boat or jet ski with Club Marine. Call or search Club Marine to find out more. Ask for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you.
1: On Real Adventures, it's time to get all aboard for Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for All Aboard for Dometic. Keep food and drinks chilled with the Dometic CIB 26 insulated cooler bag. Our special guest this morning is marketing manager for Staby Craft, Dan Upton, and the release of the new 1850 Fisher, which has everyone excited if you're into plate boats. Good morning, Dan.
2: G'day, guys. How are you?
0: Going great. Now, basically, the 1850 Fisher is nearly is nearly the perfect Boat for you, Patrick. You're nearly going to have to do a sneaky upgrade here. We're going to talk about it, but this has come off the back of the 1550 being such a such a great boat, and obviously your biggest selling boat as well.
2: Yeah, it is, mate. It's um, it's it really exceeded the expectations, to be honest. Um, in, in New Zealand and Australia, um, that walkthrough windscreen has just been an absolute um. Uh, from a from a feature point of view. So um, we've tried to emulate all the best stuff from the 1550 Fisher and um, and put that into a into a much bigger a much bigger uh, version of it in the 1850 Fisher. Very Dan, exciting.
1: Dan, in terms of the actual design of the boat, um, it's not just whacking a new top deck on it and then here's a a, a new model. Um, the beam is a major change compared to the old 1850.
2: Yeah, it is, mate. It's, it's, um, it is major in boat terms anyway. So space is um, an absolute premium, as you know, in uh, in any boat. Um, so we've maximised the beam um, out to 2.3 metres. Um, and that's meant an increase in, uh, in deck space of about 25%. So it's made a... A really big difference to the stability and um, and you know just just the manoeuvrability inside that um, inside that deck for, for you and your mates.
0: Just to put that into perspective, your two point three beam. Now, what what size boat? So you, the twenty one hundred is about the same as that, is it?
2: That's slightly more. Twenty one's about two point three five. Yep. So, yeah, it's, so it's just put, slightly less than the the
0: twenty one. Yep. So put it in perspective, that's a, for a little boat part that there and uh, we have got an eighteen we've got an eighteen uh, foot super cab with uh with sulkite, uh, Craig runs around it. Yep. And yeah uh, you know it, it is notif- noticeably different having that smaller beam. Now this obviously' well, comparing it to the, this 2100 which you're going to be uh, the room you're going to get like you said 25 percent as a fisherman as a perspective coming from someone who actually wants space on the boat to move this is going to be massive and this will be probably your biggest selling point because the boat you can take anywhere literally pat you could you could beach launch this you could do anything in it can't you Dan you can
2: mate they, um I mean like the 1550 and previous 1850 fishes, well just about all savings to be fair um, they draw bugger or water so you can take it up um, shallow waterways. Um, you can beach it on on sand and, and be able to push it back off again. So it's, um, it is a really really versatile um, middle middle sized mid range sort of a a boat for um it's, it, it is really for, for for mates and getting out um and getting a bit wider if they want or, or going up those um those shallower areas. But um, increasingly we're seeing a lot more families um, getting into this style of boat. Yep. Um just makes it so versatile with that walk-through windscreen at the front and just throwing gear and kids and bits and pieces out the, out the front as well. Um, it's a big selling point.
1: In terms of, uh, as you said, usability when it comes to families, the other thing that people need to take into consideration, Dan, is obviously the storage of the boat and the ability to fit um, in an, a reasonable size garage instead of having to build a custom-sized shed. I've found one of the great features yeah. of the 1550 uh, is the the rocket launcher setup, which is, once it's erected, is as good as it gets in terms of just how strong it oh, is. You can strength. hang off <laughs> it, um, but you can fold it down, and I can fit it easily inside inside my shed. Now, yeah. the 1850 yeah. has that same design when it comes to the rocket launcher.
2: It does, mate. Yeah, it's just, um, it's, again, it's just bigger. Um so bigger. Um, I think we've got, uh, I think eight, no ten rod holders across the top of that thing. Um, uh, so it's the same design. You can fold it down, store it away in your garage. Um, the height on the trailer is about um, somewhere between 2.25 and 2.3 meters, um, which is which is your pretty typical sort of standard garage height. Um, so really compact our uh, little boat um, but you know still that same beam can still fit into a, a 2.5 2.6 wide garage which is pretty standard as well.
0: Uh, and obviously you need something to push it at the back being a bit bigger on the beam what have you have you pushed up the horsepower uh, on the transom? Uh, what size engine you can have?
2: We've tested it um, uh, right throughout the range, and we recommend about a 90. Um, It can take a 75 if you're just taking yourself and and not too much gear. Like we have tested it, runs fine with a 75, but um, it can take right up to that 140 horsepower um, as well. So if you are loading it up with um, a few more people and a bit more gear, then it'll it'll take up to 140.
0: You can never have a bit too much power, can you, Patrick?
1: (laughs) Dan, just steering slightly (laughs) away from the 1850, obviously one of the things that you've done over the last... 12 to 18 months has been um, not reinvigorating because you continue to bring out uh, new models of boats, but you really are continuing uh, to launch new models. How have you found the feedback in regards to the 2250s, the Ultra Cab, and obviously the Centre Cab that was launched? And, and we went through at the boat ramp, and I think, Redmond, you fell in love.
2: Yeah, it's, um, it's been exceptional. Um, we've actually, it was, it's been a little bit revealing. Like, so we, we launched two different styles of boat there with the, um, with the center cab and the traditional sort of race back screen. And then we've got the ultra center cab with the, with the more sort of, uh, pilot house sort of, you know, commercial look, um, on that Ford racing screen. And, and that was really, to be fair, um, targeted at, at a US audience. Um, but we've, we've had a real uptake in New Zealand and Australia so much so that the actual ultra cab, the Ford Racing screen, has outsold the center cab um, in all markets. So, uh, not not by huge, maybe fifty five, sixty percent, compared to the other one, but um, it's been it's been a real revelation, um, and we're still, sort of starting to see a little bit more acceptance for that style. It's just, it's a very aggressive commercial look, but um, people are really people are really loving it.
0: Now, to down to the business end, Patrick. When can Pat? Order one of these boats because I can it's see his no. is fine for me, mate. <laughs> when, when can someone? I'm just trying to push him into a bit bigger boat. When can uh, people actually inquire about these and start to put their orders in? Because it's going to be a very, very popular boat. Uh, user friendly and like you said, yep. Pat, the size is massive. Yep. Mid range, uh, mid range. It's do just, it's Offshore, yep. can go inside your estuary. Yep. it's
1: easy to manoeuvre.
0: When are you, uh, when is this available? And when are the more details going to come out about it? And where can they uh, seek the information?
2: Mate, that's, that's all live now. Um, it's, it's gone live in the last couple of days. Um, we've got more content rolling out to sort of show you the, the uh, pros and, well, there's really no cons in this site. but, um, uh, so you can, you can acquire at your local dealership. They've got all the information, um, with them now. So, um, and we've got stock arriving on yards, uh, in Australia, um, over the coming weeks. Um, so that they're literally, um, being built in and, going on the water at the moment. So just ask at your local Savage dealership and, They'll be able to uh,
1: sort you out. I know what you'll say, Aaron, when it comes to the cons. It's not as big as the 2,100. It's not as big as the 2,750.
2: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs)
0: Yeah, waiting for Dan to send me a 2,750 over. (laughs) How how far away is that new 2,750, Dan? Come on.
1: (laughs) Hey, Dan. Thanks for joining us on Real Adventures this morning. (laughs) <laughs> and talking through Stabycraft's new 1850 Fisher. Uh, if you want to know exactly what it looks like, it looks exactly like a 1550. It's just the bigger brother, uh, and it is available now. For more information, visit your Stabycraft dealer or visit stabycraft.com. Thanks for joining us, Dan. No
2: problem, guys.
1: Thanks for having me. Thanks, Dan. Dan Upperton, Marketing Manager for Stabycraft, joining us this morning. It is now time for Red's review. Redmond, Patrick,
0: we are... We're going to be reviewing – we're probably going to agree on something for the first time in this review because we're going to be reviewing radars oh boy. Or, yep. for those who want a radar. Yeah, well,
1: that okay. Is <laughs> that – that, that,
0: yep, that's fair enough. Yeah, well, they have many different applications.
1: They oh, do. It's been interesting. I had a radar in my on my old, old boat. Yep, on your old North Bank. using the boat out of sort of Apollo Bay and Queenscliff didn't use it anywhere near as much compared to when I fished up north and you know you're dealing with the islands. I've found it more of a looks good on the boat <laughs> it looks, doesn't and and that's probably you know my my know how when it comes to using
0: the radar and the. I think that's half my issue is I just don't know how to use it either. <laughs> but Garmin have got a massive range and one of the ones we're going to be talking about today is the uh, the GMR TM eighteen HD. It's a it's a pretty good unit, but this is. This is now it's very pricey radars. So this is your like low to be. mid price. Yep. Yeah, so you can get it a little bit cheaper. This is sort of the one that I'd probably advise to get. It's got some awesome technology. It's about two thousand seven hundred bucks. Because they start at about eighteen hundred. They do. They start. Yep. This is just up that little bit. Yep. Uh, you're gonna get. You're gonna get some awesome features with it when you're spending this much money. You uh, you basically have. This is what I'm amazed by. I'll wait till I talk about the next one, Pat. But. How much the range on this is forty eight nautical miles. Which is which is huge. Like my I, I struggle to see birds a kilometre away. So <laughs> so basically it's uh that's pretty cool. It's that that's a long, long way. You've also got the, the the problem with when you do spend the extra money, which I'll talk about the next one in a minute, the range the minimum range on this, it starts at about twenty meters. So basically anything within twenty you're sort of gonna skip. Yeah. Which I don't know, yeah. It's not twenty meters; isn't far, but if you're in fog and things like that, things can be close, like poles and, and the likes. Yep. I know twenty meters; you're probably getting a bit too close anyway. Uh, you're looking roughly on the on the top of the on top of the hardtop or what have you got? It's about seven point seven kilo, so not that heavy, but it's still a bit of weight there. If you've got a hardtop, it's no
1: issue, but if you're rolling with, um, you know, custom built stainless, then it is a consideration that you
0: have to make. And the one I'm talking about now is we're gonna—is this pronunciation right, Pat? Is your dome? <laughs> the Ray Dome. The Ray Dome. So, so. so this is the one the where realm. you. This is the one where you look at at a boat, and it's the one that you had. It's it's basically just a, uh, it's like a sil- a, a um, cylinder sort of yep. half cylinder, I guess you could say that sits on the roof. Which is, I don't. There's a few people I've seen with the next one I've, I'll speak about, but most most punters have this one probably yep. because of the price. One thing that I use radar for, and you can use it, and this one doesn't come with the uh, with the bird game. This one doesn't, but you can use it to find birds. So when you are fishing, you can still, just because it hasn't got the bird gain function on it, you can still see birds, any object you can see. So if you're smart enough with using it, you're going to be right. Your next one, which if I just skip my page here, Patrick, your next one is your Phantom GMR. This is huge. Now, this is uh, $12,600. Not $12,600. And the difference, obviously, with the Phantom is... um pinpointing birds from,
1: you know, kilometres and kilometres away. And generally, if you're going to fish, bill fishing, you're spending thousands of dollars on fuel every day anyway, especially when you're This in, could m- save you massive. And you're in real big boats and you're struggling to find where the birds are because generally that's what you're searching for when you're looking
0: for fish. Yeah, well, if you find birds, you quite often find, fish. find fish. So yeah. it's, it's, it's huge. Now, this one, uh, this is crazy. This is, I thought 48 was massive. 96 nautical mile range like the earth curves that much, doesn't it? How does it even, how does it even go that far? So in terms of your everyday
1: punter, um, are you recommending a radar to your average angler?
0: Uh, if I was to spend the money on something, I'd probably, to be honest with you, I'd probably get a FLIR camera. Yep. The reason that I mean by this is I've fished nearly every day of my life, to tell you the truth. And I haven't used a radar. I, I probably haven't used it because I've never had one. Uh, there is a purpose that, for them. They that, do that work. Would ma- that would make it hard to use. Yeah. <laughs> but I've just never gone out and gone. Geez, I need a, I need a buddy organize a, a new radar. But yeah. I, and even when i fished with you and yours, I've had it on the boat. Our old charter, actually, we used to have it on the boat too. Uh, you get like this one here. It's got your motion scope. It's got your auto bird game, which is helped you. It actually finds the birds for you, like using its gain. It's got eco trails. It's got all sort of antenna parking positions. And the, to, to tell you the truth, radar. What, one of the biggest benefits for it is if you are out snapper fishing, say tomorrow, you and I are heading out, and you've got radar, and you see someone that you know that's been catching fish, and they're on a dump, you can pinpoint, pinpoint exactly them. where they are <laughs> to the meter, and you can find the dump. That's I haven't done that because I've never had one, but people do it to me. So, <laughs> well, if you if you do struggle to find
1: the fish, then I reckon that's two and a half grand well speed. You can... <laughs> Ping Especially off the, the lo- business can ping off the locations of of other anglers, and then away you go. Red's review reviewing radars this morning.
2: <laughs> Red's tip of the week for New
1: Age Caravans. Visit your local New Age Caravan dealer today. Welcome back to Real Adventures. Before we get into Red's tip for the weekend, we actually missed off the top of the show. I was too excited to talk about. Tesla's new Cybertruck. And, you and had a, tuna fish. You had a few things that you wanted to get through. But your week in fishing, Redmond.
0: Thanks for giving me my little segment, Pat. That's a, appreciate well, you like, that. You like to have your time. I like my you week in fishing. You don't want to, you know, you, don't, you want to have We're your as bad say. as each other. <laughs> <laughs> uh, week in fishing was a little bit breezy this week, Pat, uh, and a bit colder. So, But I tell you what, geez, you got some good time With squid. We did. The squid have been oh. awesome. So obviously a bit windier. We had to hide a little bit. The squid are massive. We found a patch in deep water. I headed out with Chris from Gone Fishing Charters and Charles on his boat for a bit of fun one afternoon. And we got our bag of quality squid, like three kilo squid, some monster. So just because the snapper are here, don't get it built into your head that you don't catch anything else. Because I don't, I don't think there's anything much more fun than going out catching a bag of big squid. Awesome fun. Is it hard to
1: get onto those squid? Um, when you so often talk about finding where the eggs are, or are you going back because obviously it's an area you fish a lot, you you know the history of sort of where those yeah, eggs pop just up.
0: I'll stop you there. The history, history. it's sort of the, where there's a run of them, run of weed patches that they sort of lay on um, at Queenscliff. You have got the boat ramp, and then they run on the same lay, they lay on the same areas they do each year on the grass beds, and also you've got around the front where we've been doing most of our fishing known as the footy oval cottage by the sea, yep. the rock wall and the kelp. They're sort of your main areas. So you launch, you'll you'll go out, and you'll get to those places.
1: Yep. And then are you just drifting if you if you can't see through yep. it, are you just drifting through it? Drifting and the same areas.
0: And as soon as I catch one, you run up to the unit, whack mark, even if you catch one. Because a lot of the time, especially if it's a spawner, like it's a big one with marks on its back, pull around. Do your drift again, see if you can get a couple more. So it's not, it's not, all right, I've got a, I've got a squid, bang, I'm going to smack the anchor, and then... No, no, I'll I'll work that patch for a couple of minutes, try and hold myself on that area to see. So you might pinch one, say if you're doing a drift, you might pinch, because you're not always casting underneath your boat where you are, so you might have had your jig out 25 metres at the back, or if you just anchor where you hook that squid, it's not going to do you any favours, because the eggs might be where you cast it. So I'd probably set up another drift inside of it, where you think your jig was, or where... you think that, or you? Or quite often, you can see the eggs, but i will be setting my two or three drifts up, working the angle that you're drifting on, and try and work out if you can't see them, work out the patch of where they're sitting. And you can, either, if no one's around, just keep drifting them over slowly, slowly as well, because quite often, around that t- strong tidal areas, you you can't just set up a drift and hope like you need to target your tides so fishing the ends of your tides if you're on your moons where you got slower tides maybe fishing when the tide's a bit stronger because there'll be no tide at the end of it where the squid quite often won't bite where at the moment we're off that moon as of last week i think it was the start of the week and we've got those strong tides again so i'm hitting now i know we had a tide at 440 odd and i think it's about 444 so we got out there an hour and a half before worked it a bit harder for that first 30, 40 minutes. And once that tide slowed, because the tides are big at the moment, we then fished the last of it.
1: Are you changing the weight of the squid jigs um, b- between, you know, heavy tide versus that slacker tide? Yeah. Because you often talk about you're not concerned about the colour, but you are concerned about how it sits in the water and the, the size jig head that you use because of obviously how it sits in the water column.
0: To tell you the honest truth, it's more comes back to your tide, Pat. So... You're not going to go out in the middle of the tide and you you just can't get a jig down there. It's not the fact that your jig isn't down there. You can always weight it down with a sinker or use a bigger jig. But the problem is by the time your jig gets to where you need to be, you can drift hundred and fifty meters in seconds. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not joking. Like you'll start your drift, you by the time you swing your your lines out and let them sink down, you've already drifted one hundred meters. Like it's a long way. So it's about timing your tide, especially in these tidal areas. St. Leonard's and that you get away with. But good news is, Pat, as well, just quickly the snapper are going well still up the top end of the bay. Clifton Springs come good too. Offshore is out of control. I can't keep a base in the water from every mark I'm going to, and that's not a joke. And I want to get you onto these fish because they're good fun. Right out to seventy meters of water too, which is exciting, which is a long way to wind up. But the fishing is good; it's starting to heat up. And you're going to talk next week on soft plastics and yeah, I'm actually and jigs. I'll, now them. the water temps come up, I will be targeting soft plastics. as uh, fish, sorry, snapper on soft plastics. I do. I, d- I always joke around that I don't like it's always a joke, but it is good fun. I like it when the water temperature comes up and it's a little bit uh, more, the fish are a little bit more active and a bit
1: easy to catch. If you are interested in that sort of fishing for snapper, next week's Real Adventure Show will focus on that. It's time for Red's tip for new age caravans. Spring into summer sale is now on. Redmond, um, as that water temperature increases, chasing sharks becomes more prevalent because we're going to see more of them around. Um, their movements, drifting and chasing them.
0: Yep. So. Uh, Bruce likes to swim parallel to the to the shore. So a shark is always looking for bait, and they're trying to f- bait and food. So it might be even a whale. look like, and um, what I mean by whale, like how they're trying to find them is quite often. Yes, our currents will run parallel, but it will also move in and out. So a shark will actually uh, swim along our coast at a certain depth. So. You gotta remember bait and the likes hold in certain areas. So our reef, our main restructure stops at 30 odd meters out the back of the Port Foot Bay head. So how I like to set my drifter is I start at that 30 meters, and quite often you're offshore in an orderly, aren't you? Because it's calm. Yep. So I quite often like to drift out to about 55, 60. I don't like to go out too deep because once you go too deep, there's not a lot out there. So there's not a lot of bait fish to make everything hold. So I try and stay in that same 30 to 60 meters, and I'm trying to cover depth so contour lines so you can with with wind direction we're very lucky with our coast we have sort of a bowl i guess you could say from western port or cape shank right down to your place pat or even lawn so you can always sneak somewhere so if you've got a northwest you can always jump up that way so you're not drifting with the contours you can, you can drift out cross all your depths. so crossing your depths, because going back to what i said with the whale bruce swims up Hits your trail and comes out to find what's at the end of it. So he either goes in or out, and you have got to hope that he comes to you. If you're drifting in the same depth as him, you've only got or you might he might be out in the forty metre line. You're only drifting in fifty. He's not going to hit your trail yep. and come up to where it is. So you're trying to you're basically trying to intercept him with your burly trail. He comes in and hits it. Another good way to do it is I like to anchor as well. Anchoring works really well. Anchor up, have a burly off the surface. You'll create activity. You'll create create slimy mackerels, arrow squid, and obviously the normal bottom fish gummies and and whatnot will come, and Bruce will hit it and come back into you, hopefully, when you anchor it up in that 20 to 30 metres.
1: That was Red's tip for new age caravans. Take your caravanning experience to the next level. New Age Caravans, designed for the road ahead. It's time of the Flying Gaff. It's going to be a really simple one this weekend, and it's not really a gaff of sorts, but it's a congratulations to our great mate Paul Worsling and his family, their 500th episode, which aired last week on Sunday. 500 shows a monumental achievement in our fishing industry, Redmond, which is great to see. Uh, it's time for us to head fishing. This has been Real Adventures. We'll see you next week.